This morning, it's October 29, 2017. The title of our message is Sweet Foundation, a Kenya Tale. Now, before we get into the message this morning, I want to read you guys a couple of verses. Is that okay with you? Even if it's not okay, that's what we're going to do. You know why? Because we're back. (laughs) Hallelujah. Don't turn there. Philemon, verse 4 through 7. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, LCM, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. We just wanted to say this morning that without your prayers, what took place in Kenya was not possible. Every step that we took, we were led by the Holy Spirit and your prayers. We felt the cloud of witnesses praying on our behalf for the Lord our God to move. We just heard a sweet announcement from the Arizinas. We're living in a sweet season of our church right now. And we promise by the power of the Holy Ghost to bring you a sweet word this morning. So just wanted to thank you and encourage you that every word, every prophecy, every scripture that was sent to us while we're on the battlefield came to pass. We love you with all of our heart. So as we get into the message that Justin Linton is going to bring, a fire word that is burning on his heart, I want you guys to pray in the Holy Ghost as this man comes up here. Because he's going to challenge you. He's going to make you laugh. But most importantly, he's going to cause you to run after the kingdom with all that you have. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? All right. Well, since Pastor Wade is not here, I think it's in right order if uh, if I just let y'all know. For him and for myself. I love my church. <laughs> man, I can tell you, man, we, we, we missed you guys. And the same love that Bim is talking about in uh, Philemon 4, verse uh, 4 through 7, is the same love that we felt in Kenya, also from the Kenyans, but also from my church back home. So we just want to thank you guys deeply. You covered us in prayers. We went through some hairy situations, but we felt your prayers uh, protecting us. With that being said, you know, when you're praying and uh you realize that your brother has something against you. You got to go get it right, right? So I just want to repent to y'all. For the longest, y'all been telling me that you talk too fast. You mumble. I can't understand you. I thought it was just y'all. <laughs> but here we go to Kenya, and I'm hearing the same things from the Kenyans. <laughs> brother, brother, you, you must slow down, brother. So <laughs> I want to repent to y'all and say I'm going to get it right. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's hop in the word. Come with me to uh, Numbers verse 13. Uh, that, that love uh, and that, that, that way of life that we talked about in Philemon, God is building that in Kenya. He is building that through believers who, who, who are sweet with uh, Kenyans who love God, who love the word of God and love each other. And it's a blessing to travel across the world and see the same kind of family in the body here that we see in Kenya. With that being said, number 13, verse uh, 25. Say that when you're there. There, 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 there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. 
They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. They, they then reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave to Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, LCM, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Can I tell you, it's some sweet fruit in Kenya. It's sweet fruit in Nairobi in the village of Rion Chogu. Sweet fruit. Some of them about two feet tall, but they're sweet. In the same way, it's fruit for, our, for us to attain in our lives. It's fruit. It's a promised land that God is calling us to. But if you come down a little bit in Numbers 13, what happens? You know Joshua and Caleb, who served the Lord wholeheartedly. They gave Moses a report according to their convictions. But what did the other ten do? Ah, we look like like ants in their eyes. They're giants. The Nephilim were there. The the Anakites were there. But who sent them into the land? The Lord. In the same way, the things that we have to accomplish in our lives and the things that God is calling you to do and the people that he's sending you to, the people that he's preparing you for, he's calling you to a land where, yes, there may be giants. It may look uh, like, you may look like ants in their eyes, but who is going with you? The Lord, Lord, right? They were fully convinced. Turn to Joshua 6, verse 20. Joshua 6, verse 20. It says there when you're there. You know, Joshua and Caleb weren't blind. They saw the same thing that the other ten Israelites uh, saw. But to me, it seems like whatever they saw, it must have been worth it. Maybe even to die for it. It must have been worth it to go into their land and retrieve it, right? In Joshua 6, verse 20, it says, When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at, that, the sound, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in and took the city. What did they do? They took the city. Now, as we're looking at this, God is sending them into a sweet land, right? But what did he use? He uses a trumpet, a shofar. We just, uh, a couple weeks ago before the One Association Conference, we, we had the shofar here on the, on the stage, and we heard it blown. It made a, a, a sweet sound. It's a sound of victory. It's a sound of battle that, that the, the men charged in Jericho on. Well, I believe in the same way, God is trying to use us to sound something. Amen. He's trying to reveal, reveal to the world his son, Jesus Christ, the revelation of his son, Jesus Christ, through us. But before that, that shofar can be used by the Lord, what happens to it? What is it? Well, it's the horn of a ram. You know, you have to kill the lamb. There has to be a bloody sacrifice that you get the horn from. And in the same way, we've heard uh, from sermons past that uh, the, the death of his saints is pleasing to the Lord. It's pleasant to him. We have to die. We have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our own desires, our own visions, die to our own insecurities to get to where the Lord is calling us. Now, when you do that, he sounds the trumpet. From the beginning of the book, from the first prophet to the last prophet. In Revelation 8, when the Lord is sounding the trumpets, he's coming. He's coming to hollow out this this wicked and depraved world, death. Uh, wars, famine, all kinds of evil. He's coming to hollow that out, and only his glory remains. Only his sound remains. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those that's being used to sound the glory of the Lord. I don't want to be the one that he's sounding it for. I don't want to be on the other end of that, right? Amen. 
So how does that start for you? How does that start for you? How do you begin to be used by the Lord to sound his glory? Because what he's calling you to is worth it. It's very worth it. Turn to Proverbs verse 24. Tell me you're there when you're there. It's, it's sweet to be back with you guys. Um, we experienced a lot in Kenya um, in a short period of time. We were there for eight, nine days, but it felt like we were there for two weeks. Uh, but it's fitting. It's the same way that we feel here in LCM. We go two days, I'm like, man, how have you been? It's been a while. It ain't been 30 hours. But it's, it's the way of life that, that God has given us, and it's, it's sweet. Now, Proverbs 24. Let me get there. Like Judah said, I ain't there yet. Verse 11 says, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does he not know? He who weighs the heart and perceives it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? Don't you, be, don't you want to be rewarded according to what you've done? Yes. To what the Lord has done through you? Amen. Now, on the way to, uh, to Rian Chogu, so we landed in Nairobi and spent, uh, spent time in, uh, in Nairobi, outside of Nairobi with, uh, with a man named Danson Kamau and his family. Sweet family, sweet group of believers who just, just poured out love on us. But uh, on the bus ride, it's about a seven-hour bus ride to, to Rian Chogu, they had a couple videos uh, playing. And there's one particular video uh, came on, and it caught our attention. Uh, we have one of those, the, the type of this animal that we watch in our church right now. It's called the honey badger. Yeah. Man, Mandy is the captain of the honey badgers because <laughs> she goes and gets the honey. But what was amazing about tenacious, the honey badger don't care. <laughs> what was amazing about this honey badger is that when he saw something he wanted, he went and got it. He was tenacious. There's one part of the other video where there's a cobra in a tree. And let me tell y'all something about Africa. The trees are tall. They got acacia trees, y'all. It's big. And so there's a cobra in this tree. And I guess the, the honey badger wakes up, decides, well, I'm hungry. And I'm not just hungry. I'm hungry for a snake. I'm not just hungry for a snake. I'm hungry for a cobra. And not just any cobra. I want that cobra in the tree. It's kind of like uh, God has been setting this up long before we got here. He always uh, meant for us through the blood of Christ to go and destroy the works of the enemy, that, that lying serpent. So the cobra's in the tree, and the honey badger, I mean, if you look at it, all it looks like is a skunk with some large claws. It don't look like nothing intimidating. But don't tell it that. I don't want to run into one. We didn't find one in Africa, unfortunately. So he goes in the tree, and he goes and, and fights the cobra. Could very well die, but he don't give up. And what ends up happening is he brings the cobra down and feasts on the cobra. Well, I think it's the same way in our lives. When the enemy is lying to you, uh, and, he, and he, he seems to be at a high place, we go and we bring him down from that high place through the blood of Jesus Christ. We bring him down our level, and we feast on him. It says the Son of God came to destroy the devil's work, and because he lives in each one of you, 
No matter how it seems at the moment, because he lives in each one of you, he's doing their work through you. So I say, the cobra also loves honey. I mean, not the cobra, the honey badger. Of course, he's a honey badger. He badgers honey. So the honey badger would do anything for honey. But uh, in this world, you know, honey is good, but it's something, something a little sweeter than, than honey. Uh, Joy, can I get that first slide? Now, it might be a bit hard to see here, but uh, what, you, what you see is a man walking away from a, a certain place. Um, Opingo told us that we're going to go to where they house the drunks. So it, this is like 9 o'clock in the morning. Like, you want to talk about a great homiletic? By Acts 2, these men are drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. This is it. They actually were drunk, though. <laughs> so we head to, the, to this place thinking it's a, it's a rehab center where they, you know, they're nursing drunks back to, back to health. But what we find is they all just keep sitting around drinking. So it quickly turns to like, okay, we're going to encourage these brothers to stay on that path to, mm, okay, it's a lot of sin here. And we have the tip of the spear, Matthew, tip of the spear, Piro, and he just goes after it. But the results of this, what you see after my brothers bring, a, uh, bring truth that cannot be denied, it drove some men away. It drove some men to, you know, to whisper, you know, wicked words that we couldn't understand because I don't speak much Swahili. They pick up a little bit, but not all of it. So it drove some of them away. But Luke 14 says that the heavens rejoice when one sinner turns away. And so after we, after we talked to these men and implored with them and we left, we told them, if you want your life to change, you leave here, you never come back, you never see these men again. And as we're leaving, we look back. This man is turning away and he's going home. This, this honey, this honey is worth it. This is the honey that God sent us for, to, to change one life. Now, at the same time, there was a man who every time my brother Brim was, was preaching, and every time he mentioned drink, every time he mentioned being a slave to sin, the man would take another sip. But it don't matter because the heavens rejoice when one sinner repents. And this is the honey that God is sending us out for. This is the honey that he has you in your workplaces, that he's placed you in your families, that he's placed you around people. This is the honey that we want, lives to change. And not just his life, but his family. And what's going to come from his family? A nation. This is the motto of the church. This is why we do what we do. And it's a blessing to not just, not just hear it from, from my, uh, my pastors and, and my brothers, but I got to actually see this honey. And it was sweet. It was so worth it. It's, it's, worth, it's worth, worth denying yourself, picking up your cross daily and following him for that right there. Amen. You know, when, when I think about honey, um, I think about Jonathan. You don't have to turn there. But I think about Jonathan. You know, everyone was scared. Kind of like in, in Numbers 13. They, they were turned away by the, by the fight of the enemy, by what they saw. But what did Jonathan say? Maybe the Lord had given them to our hands. We see the results of that, it, that the Lord brought about a great enemy, a great victory. But then what happens? He didn't get the news, but he dipped his staff into the honey. And when he, he, he ate it, his eyes brightened. He could see clearly. And that's the same thing that happened for this man. Because you love the word, because you eat the word, because you, you look for the word to daily cut you and discipline you and shave the flesh off of you, this is the result of that. 
so I'm going to say it's worth it. Amen. But i got to ask you, is it worth it, church? Yes. Is it worth it, church? Yes. If it's worth it, then turn to Acts 14. There. Acts 14, starting in verse 19. It says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. It says, He got up and went back into the city. Almost like Joshua, like he went straight in. He went back to where the honey was because he didn't care if he died. He didn't care what happened to them. All he knew was the blood of Jesus purchased those men in, in Iconium and in Antioch. Amen. And that's what he was going to get. He was going to get that honey for the Lord. Amen. You know what's crazy about that? This man, pull that uh, picture back, Joy. This man's name is Paul. And when I say after that moment, he was singing the praises of God. The next day, he was completely changed. He came looking for us. We told him, you need to come back and visit a pingo. You need to spend time with a pingo. He came when we weren't there. He came later on that day. He came the next day. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what happened the next day after this. So it says, they stoned Paul, and they dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. I'll tell you something else about the honey badger. This honey badger fights lions, cheetahs, bees, snakes, uh, whatever you can think of. But if you could guess, what, what do you think would be the, uh, the most causes of death for the honey badger? Bees. More, more honey badgers have died from staying in a the, in the, in the honeycomb too long getting stung by the bees than, than any other thing, than any ant lions. Cheetahs, cobras, it don't matter. Because the honey badger wanted that honey. Let me ask you a question. Is that honey worth to you? Yes. Is seeing a life change worth to you? Okay, then. Let's talk about these beast things for a little bit. Because uh, it's one thing uh, to say, yes, I want the honey. I see the land. But then we face a little bit of reality, just like, like Joshua and Caleb had to face. Yeah, they saw the giants. What giants do we see? Maybe you're fighting for your families. You're fighting for families to have children. Maybe you're lead, trying to lead your households and you're taking stings from the enemy, saying you, you, you're not getting it right. You're not good enough. Look at what you've done in the past. Look at what you've done to your family. Maybe these things are stinging you. It says being a powerful witness in your workplace to your families who you desperately want saved, you know, who, who all their lives saw you as one way and they can't believe that God has radically changed your life. What else? This is a big one right here. Casting off the lying thoughts of the enemy. Who, who needs some, some help with that? Amen. Who, 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 who all does that affect? If it, if it affects you, if that right there stings you, raise your hand. Hey Amen, me too. Me too. Like two hands. But let me tell you something. The honey that's worth, that's worth taking those things is out there. And it's out there for each one of us to go get. God has prepared works in, in advance for us to do. But we have to go through a little something. In Hebrews 12, it, it talks about the discipline. That, that no discipline while you're going through it is pleasant. But in the end, it brings about fruit of righteousness. 
it's worth it. That man to me is worth it. I, I don't care. Whatever I have to go through, whatever you have to go through, people like that are worth it. And it's not just in Africa. It's not just in Kenya. It's at your workplace. I mean, we can go right there to the HEB on Highway 6 and have a mission trip. Because what I saw is we do nothing, we did nothing there different than we did than we do here. It's all the same. It's about how we're applying ourselves. Uh, go to the next slide. In the middle of the honey badgers. <laughs> I'll tell you something else. About that lion serpent. It comes to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And sometimes you can't do anything about it. Like the man who was born blind. Jesus, uh, whose fault was this? Uh, his, fault, his sins or his parents' sins? Sometimes it's neither. But it's so God gets the glory. In the same way, you got to shake off the lying serpent because these kids, they didn't have a choice. And more than that, I want to tell you something. Some of them saw their parents killed in front of them. Some of them saw many things. And they got more joy and, and love and peace for each other than I see a lot of people walking around, walking around here with. And you know why? You know why? Because the Lord is with them. But who is going to bring the word of the Lord to them so they can know why? Because they're hungry. They, they want some of that honey. They want, they want some of that, that sweetness in their lives, that, that peace that surpasses all understanding. But who's going to bring it? One thing that you have to do when endeavoring to, to bring this honey. In Acts 28, verse 5, it says, but Paul but Paul shook off the snake, shook the snake off into the fire, and it suffered and suffered no ill effects. The people expected that he would swell up or certainly suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Was Paul a god? No, no but he served God, Amen. and not just any god—the one true God, the God of Israel, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob. You know what I mean? Now. We have to learn to shake off those snakes just about as quick as they bite us. Because did Paul die? No. Who saved him? Jesus. Who saved you? What difference is there between you and him? You and uh, him and us. There's no difference. We have to learn how to shake these snakes off. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians verse 15 for me. Let me know when you're there. I repeat, I love my church. <laughs> uh, I think we kind of heard some of this uh, in, in prophecy this morning, so it's, uh, it's sweet to me. It says, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Church, do we need to stand firm? Yes. Is there something right now, as I'm saying, stand firm, that comes to mind that's coming against you? A lie, an issue that you faced time after time and time again? Is, this, is there something that we have to stand firm about? Is there? Yes. Okay. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It says give, give yourself fully to the work. Now, uh, how many of us, uh, if we're honest, can say that we have not given ourselves fully to the work? I'll say that. But I'm going to tell you, when you see 
what the Lord can do through just a little bit of obedience, through some faithfulness and through the prayers of the saints beating down the gates of, of, of heaven for you, it's worth it. It's sweet. Joy, pull it up. Picture back up one more time. I'm going to tell you right now. These kids are worth it. The people in your job places are worth it. You were created, you were built by God to fix this world piece by piece, life by life, conversation by conversation. But if you're not dipping your staff into that honey, into that sweet word of God, into prayer and fasting and love for, for one another, if you're not dipping your staff, what honey do you have to give that's going to brighten any eyes? What honey do you have to give that's going to give hope? But thank God he's given us the right. He, it says in, in, in John, he's given us the right to be children of God. So I tell you, these children are worth it. The people in, in Kenya are worth it. The people in Houston are worth it. The people in Turkey are worth it. But it's going to take a man and a woman who is willing to go through the beast things to go through the discipline, to go through the hardships Amen. to get there. Is it worth it, church? Yes. Was it worth it for you? Yes. The, the, the person that, that prayed for you, uh, Pastor Matt told a story while he was there about a woman that prayed for him every day for three months and th that the conviction of the Lord would just fall on him. And he got saved in his bedroom. Not in some big church service, in his bedroom. This is what the Lord can do when you are faithful. Amen. And I saw Pastor Matt, which was a blessing to just be discipled in the moments that we're actually going to do the work. I saw him and his testimony change men's lives. Men's turned 180 completely. It was a perfect model of biblical repentance. They turned. This is what the Lord will do when you give yourself fully to the work. Ephesians 2.10. Pull it up for me, Joy. Hold on a minute. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship. Whose workmanship? God. Whose workmanship? God. So who's doing the work? God. Who's he doing it through? Us. What do we have to do? Be hollered out. Ah, I got you. <laughs> you have to holler yourself out daily with the word of God. Be disciplined by his word. Be, be accountable to one another and watch God Blow that glorious message that saves the nations through you. Amen. And in the end, he says, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works with God, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, it may sound a little bit repetitive, but I want to make sure you, you, you hear me. It's people waiting on us to get it right. It's people waiting on us to give ourselves fully to the Lord so that they can taste their honey. Because God loves us. He loves you and me. The same as he loves them. But they need a brother, a sister to come and bring that word, bring that honey. And it's sweet. Uh, it's a place where it says uh, it's, it's marvelous in our eyes. It's marvelous what God is doing in Kenya with people who love the Lord, full of joy. You know, I, I learned from the kids. You know, most times we go on mission trips and we say, uh, you know, I thought I was going to, um, to bless them, but they blessed me. Check. Check. That's simple. Turn to Romans 6, Romans chapter 6. We have to be hollowed out. 
and chase that sweet honey like the honey badger. Romans 6, 3 says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Baptized into his what? It's almost like you got to go and get the ram. You got to slaughter the ram, that, that perfect sacrifice, and hollow it out and blow it for the Lord's glory. And it says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. May live a new life. The Lord has given us a new life. He's given us a sweet life. And I mean, if we've truly died and been risen in him, and he's our Lord, meaning he tells us what to do, aren't we obligated? Aren't, aren't, aren't out of love? Can we, can we not go and bring that honey? Can we not bring that honey to our families, to, to our, our coworkers, to the people around us? Can we not do that? After what the Lord has done, what he has done for us? My last scripture, Romans 6, 13. I love uh, our love for the word here um, at the church, and it, it encourages me down from, from Natalie and Sydney, you know, having words ready, and Mandy having words, and Pastor Matt and Miss Cass and uh, Abambola having words ready that uh, were sweet. You know, when we started talking about this, this honey badger thing, uh, it was funny because the Lord confirmed it because one morning we wake up and a couple of us are reading the same thing about how the law of the, the, law of the Lord is honey is sweet, sweeter than honey from the comb. When I see how that brought light to a man's eye, and not just him. I mean, you're going to hear plenty of testimonies. We'll talk after about all the things that, that happened. But I can truly say that when we love the word and when we love the Lord and we love our fellow man, that God does something with that. When we're praying, God does something with that. He changes people's lives. He saves people. But what has to happen first? Romans 6.13 says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Kind of like that shofar. When we don't we don't offer our, our, ourselves to, to wickedness as, as the world does, but we offer ourselves to God as, as a living sacrifice. He uses us, every last one of us. There's not anybody that's, that's left out of that. There's no qualifiers for that. To the one who wants to be used, he uses them. To the one that is continuously dying itself, being disciplined by the Lord, being held accountable, and, and chasing after him and fighting through the hard things that we have to go through in life, he does something with that. He uses it as an instrument. I want to be used as an instrument. Know why? Because it's worth it. All right. My last thing, if you remember anything. We were put here to bring life to a dying world because that's what Jesus did to us. And we're Christians, right? We're supposed to be Christ-like. He brought life to a dying world. And the same as with us, we're supposed to be bringing life to a dying world. My brother here is going to tell us how we do that. Amen. Love y'all. Hallelujah. Somebody said that's a good word. That's a fantastic word. Um, how do we bring light, life to a dying world? We have to be hollowed out. 
we have to be hollowed out so the Lord can blow his perfect will through our lives. Picking up in where Justin left off in Romans 6, starting in verse 17. It says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be a slave to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to, you were, to, to which you were entrusted. I'm read that one more time. But thanks be to God that though you used to be a slave to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Here at LCM, we've been entrusted a form of teaching laid down by our pastors. That form of teaching gives birth to a heavenly pattern. And so when thinking about this, this heavenly pattern is a way of life. Just to mention earlier, we didn't do anything different in Kenya that we don't do here. Fellowship, getting in the word, praying, everything we do here in America, we did exactly that in Kenya. This way of life, this heavenly pattern, it works. First Corinthians, and you don't need to turn there. First Corinthians, it talks about this. Paul is writing, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Our pastors right now are in Israel, seeking the face of God, thinking about us, praying for us, praying for this church and the future of this church. They have laid down a foundation that we can run on, that we can take, we can pursue to birth this heavenly pattern. Now, when we look in the word of God, the heavenly pattern is all over the word of God, starting from the beginning all the way to the end. So turn with me to Genesis 18. Say, there when you are there. Once again, the title of this message is Sweet Foundation, a Kenyan, a Kenyan Tale. Everybody there? Now, before we read in Genesis 18, when I was thinking about this, when we go on the mission field, we follow the Luke 10 principle, establishing your man of peace, which was Danson. By the way, Danson's a great man of God. The Kenyans love to pray. We actually went to a church service on Sunday. And the woman stood up and she mentioned, she said, we would like to pray for Kenya regarding the elections. And then proceeded to pray for the next four or five minutes. They love to pray. So when we go to the mission field, we take the Luke 10 principle with us. We, we establish that peace with our man of peace. Whatever they put in front of us, we eat. We drink it. We're commanded to go and to heal the sick, the sick and to proclaim the kingdom of God. This is the way of life. We do nothing different. And so when thinking about this, I was thinking about Genesis 18. In Genesis 18, you have the three angels that showed up in front of Abraham's house, or Abraham at this time. Picking up in verse 16, it says, When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see, what, see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth have been blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he would direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. When we talk about the, the heavenly pattern, the heavenly pattern is only something that God can give us. 
It's not man-made. It can't be fabricated. It's something that is birth of heaven, just like the Lord told Moses. You build exactly like I showed you on the mountain to the pattern. And here we have in Genesis 18, the Lord is speaking about Abraham. And he's talking about him and saying, this is the pattern that I've laid out for you, that he's been chosen. Not only chosen, he's been chosen to direct his children. Not only his children, his household, to do what is right and just. And to bring about that promise that God is, that is, that, that promise that God is going to bring about for him. When we think about this heavenly pattern, we think about this way of life. I want to do a hard check this morning. What are we building in our household? What are we building in our lives? We've been chosen by God out of the world into his marvelous light. When we talk about this heavenly pattern, we'll come back to the promise, but I want you to think about this as we're going through the word. Abraham was chosen directed by, direct, to direct his children, to direct his household after the way of the Lord. There's only one way. Say there's only one way. When thinking about this, what does the Lord say about us? Can the Lord say this about you in Genesis 18? Can he say that you're, you're keeping after the way? You're directing your family? You're directing your household after the way? You're not putting up any idols next to him besides him? Let's be, hollow out. Let's be hollowed out this morning. And... And when I was thinking about this, I thought about Pastor Matt. Now, the discipleship that we have here at LCM is sweet. It's, it's phenomenal. Pastor Eric, Pastor Wade, Pastor Matt. And one thing I noticed is when you go on the mission field with one pastor, it's extraordinary because you see all five offices working in their life. When they've been pressed from all sides and everyone is looking to them for the answers, the anointing is flowing. Pastor Matt said that he said that when there's hunger, the anointing flows. And to see him bring his family on the mission field, to bring his daughters, Natalie and Sydney, on the mission field is extraordinary. How he directed them, how he heard from the Lord, the tip of the spear, the point of the spear. We have amazing pastors. These men are building according to the pattern that the Lord has showed them. And we need to do the same. Amen. Joy key? Well, no, we're not going to do that yet. Got a little excited. Now, when we're looking at the word, time and time and again, we see men who got it right. But there are also men who got it absolutely wrong. I'm briefly touched about this. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, Eli got it completely wrong. It says that his sons were absolutely wicked. Even, even goes on to say that Eli rebuked his sons when he found out the things that they were doing. But you find out later when the man of God showed up to prophesy that the Lord was going to cut off his household, it was because Eli esteemed his sons above God. Just let that settle in. Eli was chosen as a priest. His lineage was chosen. But the problem with Eli was he only wanted to get acquainted with the Lord. He only wanted to rub shoulders with the things of God. He never actually wanted to be all in. Before his, before his time, the Lord showed what the pattern was, and Eli decided not to follow it, and it resulted in him being cut off. You know what that means? You can't settle for just reading the word once 
You can't settle for just intellectually acknowledging that, yes, I've been chosen. Here, I'm here at LCM. We're receiving amazing disciples. You, can't, you, can't, you cannot settle for that. A daily implementation of the word in your life births the heavenly pattern. Let's learn from Eli's story. Let's learn from his sons who went the opposite way. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 talks about the word of God being breathed. All of scriptures God breathed for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training righteousness. Joy, can we put that up? It says, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Verse 17, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about what we did in Kenya. When we're at Opingo's compound, his orphanage, and dealing with the children. Justin brought this up the first night we were there. He said, hey, what we do here, let's do with these kids. Let's get up in the morning, let's pray with them. And at night, let's pray with them. Let's give them a word. Let's challenge them. And that's exactly what we did. And it produced a harvest of righteousness. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 was in full effect when dealing with his children. They're absolutely worth it. Teaching them rebuking them, correcting them, and training them in righteousness. When you plant a seed of that heavenly pattern, it does something miraculous. It doesn't stop there. It, con- it continues to build. And so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this children. And Joy, you can put up this slide, the last one. This is the result of building according to the heavenly pattern. This is the result of planting that seed. This is the result of never turning from the way that the Lord has prescribed. In this picture, we're leaving a school and we're dealing with some children who are getting ready to to take an exam. And they asked for us to come by and to pray for them, to encourage them. And as we're leaving, this was the outcome of the school. This was the outcome of us leaving this place. The energy, the the spirit of God was moving, and the children just want, want not, want, wanted nothing but to be around us. And it wasn't just because of us, because you guys were praying for us. They're absolutely worth it. So when we talk about a sweet foundation, this is what it looks like. In that picture, you have apostles, you have prophets, you have evangelists, you have pastors, you have teachers. They're absolutely worth it. Building according to the heavenly pattern. In First Chronicles 28, turn there. We're looking at the life of David. First Chronicles 28. Say there when you were there. I'm getting there. So in First Chronicles 28, we're dealing with David and Solomon. David is getting ready to charge his son regarding building the temple of the Lord. And one scripture comes to mind is Proverbs 10, 17. It says, he who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. David is a man that's been corrected in his life, and he wanted to make sure that the pattern that the Lord gave him would continue in his son's life. So pick it up in verse 9. 
This is David speaking. It says, and you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your fathers and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. The process in, in drawing near to, to the Lord, the process in building the heavenly pattern is to acknowledge him, is to serve him, is, is to seek him and allow him to be found by you. But I also wanted to highlight that it says, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. There was nothing that David left out for his son. He wanted to make sure to drive home that point that if you ever stray from the pattern, that's the consequence of straying from the pattern. But you know what, what else he goes on to say? In verse 10, he says, Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Repeat after me. Be strong, Be strong. And, do and do the work. What's interesting about this, and I'll share with my brothers earlier this morning, is that for the longest time when I was reading about the life of Solomon and him building the temple of the Lord, I always thought that Solomon had the plans to the temple. He didn't. When you read in First Chronicles 28, the Lord actually gave David the plans, and because he had too much bloodshed on his hand, the Lord said, you're not going to be the one to build my temple. So you see the Lord prescribing and giving the heavenly pattern to David and David giving it to Solomon. In order to build that heavenly pattern, you have to raise, the, raise up those who are going to build the heavenly pattern. I'm going to say that one more time because I think I'm preaching better than you're listening. In order to build the heavenly pattern, you have to raise up those who are going to build the heavenly pattern. Hallelujah. As we transition into the New Testament, turn to Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, the Lord is speaking, starting from verse 47. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it. Because it was, it was well built. When we talk about building the heavenly pattern, when we talk about the way of the Lord, when we talk about going after that, that sweet honey so others can taste of the heavenly pattern, it's a process. And we find our answer in Luke chapter 6, verses 47 and 49, through 49. When he talks about it, it says not only to hear his words, but to put them into practice. James talks about the same concept about not just merely hearing the word of God, but to actually do what it says. 
So, not only do we hear the words, but we put them into practice. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, I was thinking about Kenya. I was thinking about our team. I was thinking about the Honey Badgers. In Kenya, interesting things happen. We just so happen to be in the middle of a political nightmare. They had elections in August. Some scandal happened, some corruption, decided to have a re-election. And it so happened that while we're in Kenya for that week, they were having their re-election that Thursday. So you could, you could imagine what was going on. You could imagine what those kids were thinking about. You could imagine what the teachers, you could imagine everyone that we faced was thinking about, worrying about what could possibly happen, a, po a possible civil war if things don't go right. You know what we were worried about? Doing the will of the Lord, building the heavenly pattern. And I saw this in the life of Mandy. I saw this in the life of Natalie and Sydney. I saw that regardless of what was going on, they went after it. They heard the word of the Lord and they put it into practice. And that's what we're supposed to do in our workplace, at the grocery store, at, at, at the gas station. This is not just for Kenya. This is not just for those who go on the mission field. This is for us today. Amen. There are plenty of those, plenty of people out there right now who have a veil on their eyes. They're eating junk food. And we're tasting the sweet honey of the Lord is provided here. And I want the same thing for them out there. So in Luke 6, we're looking at this and it says, not only to hear his words, but to put them into practice, you end up, you're, you're a man who ends up having to build. It says, but the one who hears my words and does, no, that's 49, go back, 47. Thank you. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and put them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. I want you guys to understand something. Justin mentioned that more honey badgers have been killed, not by prey that were bigger than them, but because of bee stings and to refuse to, to refuse to let go of that honey. What about you today? We can easily read this scripture. We can easily read this in Luke chapter 6. And we can nod our heads. We can, we can get familiar with it. But it requires you to dig down deep. It requires for you to put in work. It requires that you, you possibly get, might get stung. But the end result is that you would not be shaken. So let's, let's play this out. I love Psalm 23. You know, do I walk through the valley to shout of death? I will fear no evil. That's easy to say until you find yourself in the shadow, shallow, the, the shadow of the, the valley, the shadow of death. It's completely different. So what the Lord is saying here is, if you not only just hear my words, but if you put it into practice, you dig down deep, regardless of your circumstance, no matter what's going on, regardless if you find yourself in the, shadow, in the valley, the shadow of death, regardless of if the entire world hates you, and the end result is that you would not be shaken. You know why? Because the Lord has built the heavenly pattern in you. And he can't be shaken. What do we have to do? What do we have to do today as we search our hearts? When we think about this, when the Lord talked about Abraham being chosen and directing his children in the way in his household, 
I want to ask you today, if the Lord was to inspect your house, would you pass his, his inspection today? Would you pass? When he searches your home, when he searches your heart, would you pass the Lord's inspection? And he's saying in Luke 6 that we have to dig down deep. The honey badger doesn't care. The honey badger doesn't care if it dies. It's going after what it wants. Sometimes we just need to have a honey badger attitude. In that documentary, I watched a honey badger go after a rat in a hole. It dug through the hole, ate the rat in front of a cobra, then ate the cobra after it was done. That's the type of attitude that we need to have. When you see a life being changed, when you see somebody like Paul leaving the bar, going home, that's sweet. But you, you should never settle just for that alone. You should want more. You should say, if this could happen to Paul, this could happen to anybody else I come in contact with while I'm here in Kenya. If this could happen to Paul, this could happen here at my job. This could happen everywhere I go. Because the heavenly pattern is in me. The way of life is in me. Turn to Revelation. Revelation, Revelation 21. Pick it up in verse 6. This is the end result. This is what it looks like when you've built according to the pattern. It says, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I would give to drink without cost from the spring of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. When you read earlier in the chapter, you find out that the Lord has made a new heaven, new earth, and it's coming down. A magnificent, magnificent place. The heavenly pattern. And what I just read in, in Revelation 21 is the result of standing firm to the end, the result of never Settling for less. There are plenty of counterfeits out there. They promise that it tastes sweet, but it's bitter. There's nothing that comes close to the sweetness of the word of God and the pattern that he's building each and every single one of your lives. When you're able to pass that pattern on to somebody else and see their life change from one life to one family, from one family to one nation, now I completely understand the promise that the Lord was promising to Abraham in Genesis 18. In Hebrews 11, turn there. In Genesis 18, it mentioned the promise that the Lord was going to bring about for Abraham. Picking up at verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. How many times does the Lord call you to go somewhere you have no idea where you're going? Genesis 12, called him out of his father's household. To build a heavenly pattern requires you to put all your trust in the Lord, like it says in, Psalm, in, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. To trust in him with all your heart, not leaning on your own understanding. 
when you trust in the Lord, not knowing where you're, go- where you're going, he's just laying that foundation, that sweet foundation before you. And this is what Abraham was looking to. And in verse 8, in verse 9, it says, By faith he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents and did as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. One thing to note here is it talks about Isaac and Jacob. I realized when I was reading in Exodus the other day that it doesn't say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It doesn't say that. It says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You know what that means? When the Lord has entrusted to you the heavenly pattern, and he's laid on that sweet foundation, you're supposed to pass that on to your children, and he becomes their God. Each and every single one of us, as we're building this heavenly pattern in our homes, have to remember that there, there is no other way. He's supposed to be your God, Frank. He's supposed to be Jacob's God and then his children's. That's how that pattern is supposed to work. And this is what Abraham was looking forward to, looking forward to, to Revelation 21, the architect and builder, which is God. There's, a, there's an inheritance for those who build according to the pattern, according to the way of life. Those who do not waver. This is, this is the reward. As we go into the, our last scripture, as we land this plane, I pray that we've gotten our message across to you, the message we feel like the Lord has put on our heart. That there is no other way. If you build according to the pattern, there's sweet honey as a result. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's writing, and it says in verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I have laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the foundation already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Peyton, you can make your way up here. There's only one foundation. There's only one foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. When I'm thinking about my life in this and doing a self-assessment, because you know what the Word of God is supposed to do, like Hebrews 4.12 is a double-edged sword. So when it's leaving my mouth, it's supposed to cut me before it cuts you. Have to do an assessment of my life and make sure that I'm building according to the heavenly pattern. That I haven't laid any other foundation except the foundation of Jesus Christ. 
when I look at you guys, I look at, I look at you as family. It's good to be home. But I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you and say that if you're building the heavenly pattern, keep building the heavenly pattern. Don't stop. If you get stung by bees, still go after the honey. If you see something that needs to be taken down from that tree, you go after it. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul's writing about that foundation, which is Jesus Christ. When I think about Kenya and the people who left back there, I think about the foundation that we laid. I think about the seed that we planted that only God can come and water behind us. We believe because you guys sent us. You sent us with your prayers to do the work of the Lord, to build according to that very pattern. So I'm asking you today. I'm asking you to search your hearts. I'm asking you to to examine the pattern that you already have. Examine the foundation that has been laid. Examine your household. Examine everything around you. Because the pattern that he's given us is worth it. Let's stand to our feet.